All right. Hello and welcome to Western Kabuki. I am Wack Nicholson, joined by my co-hosts, the Bird Respector and Juniper. But we are very, very honored to also be joined by the one, the only, the host of the Insurgents podcast with Rob Rousseau. Welcome to the pod, Mr. Jordan Ewell. How are we doing, Jordan? Hey, I am doing well. Thank you for having me. So glad to hear it. June, Bird, how are we? I know I skipped over you guys. <laughs> Juniper, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Cool. Yeah, back Caleb. from vacation. Yeah, I lost yes. I lost a lot of money in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, nothing I, I won't be like too sad to part with, but I, I mean it was fun. Uh, it was it was my first time there. It was just mostly fun, you know, just gambling and playing at tables and stuff. Pretty cool. You don't you don't have to sugarcoat it. You have a very serious gambling problem. And <laughs> if they can uh, give to our Patreon, they will be able to uh, uh, feed that um, the way that only money can. Yep. Uh, so, Jordan, um, you reached out to me um, and, and something that I kind of wanted to talk about um, in general uh, because I had a uh, recruiter come to my school. We have like a bespoke recruiter for our school that sort of walks around the school and talks to all the kids <laughs> and shit from the Marines. Um, and I had to go to a uh, mandatory. Um, well, it was OK. So it was mandatory for me. I can't really speak to the kids. And that's why you reached out to me, because I went to a uh, mandatory uh, like recruitment assembly for the kids. Um, so what was it like? What What is it with uh, your, your what are your opinions on military recruiters? <laughs> How much do you love? Them? I think they're the best. I, Big fan. I'm yeah, sure. we we just need we need <laughs> students to realize that that is the most important thing they could do after high school. It's just essential. Yes. <laughs> no, it's I I saw it, I I was watching your thread because that's this is an issue I've thought and wrote and talked about a lot over the past few years. And while I was reporting on it a couple of years ago, I was talking to some friends from Canada about it and they were blown away. Like they couldn't believe that military recruiters would be allowed in schools. And this all goes back to Bush's no child left behind bill. So within that bill was a requirement that public schools allow military recruiters into the school and that guidance counselors share information on the students with those recruiters. And if they objected, they risk losing federal funding. So as you can imagine, the military recruiters would target low-income schools, not exclusively, but there was a disproportionate amount of recruiters in lower income neighborhoods and schools because for them, they saw, Hey, we're going to have a greater rate of return if we target these students who don't have the same economic prospects as richer neighborhoods. And because school funding is tied to you know, property taxes and the historic effects of redlining, we see generations uh, of schools falling behind year after year after year because of this racist policy. And now what you have is recruiters exploiting that system where hey this they need this federal funding because of this racist policy for decades so they have to let us in they have to share this information and we're going to offer something that most employers that would even consider them don't offer and that is stability a way to get out of their current economic situation potentially an opportunity to see the world health care 
GI Bill and a bunch of other bells and whistles. That's a good deal if you think you can't do anything with your life. Uh, so that's this is a that's a quick synopsis of what the core of the issue is, and I could give you you all more background on why it's so insidious, but I'll also just generally curious from you as an educator, Whack, and Juniper and Bird, what you all think of them generally. We can just hate on recruiters for a while, so. too. <laughs> I want to hear I want to hear from yeah. y'all before I uh, give my input. So, yeah, I would, I would love to start just because I think I'm the youngest one out of all three of you guys. Um, the baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm the baby of, of the group, um, which is funny as someone who's like 27 calling myself a baby but uh but uh basically, you know, so, <laughs> basically i'm on my deathbed currently but um <laughs> so i i like grew up um starting to gain like self-awareness right when like as a human being i mean um right when george bush took over as president i was so i was like so young i think i was because i was born in 1995 and so a lot of these changes um correct me if i'm wrong came pretty early in his presidency. So I didn't really grow up in a world where I like didn't know that recruit recruiters weren't always in school. I'll be honest until you mentioned that the, this was like a George Bush era thing. I thought recruiters just kind of always went to schools. And I thought that was like how it was in different countries too. Like I didn't realize that until just now. Um, so I, a lot of the, a lot of these policies, like for me, I grew up in a world where that was just so normal. I always thought it was really, really evil and sinister how um military recruiters kind of would target the the most um what do you what's the word for it? like very low income like vulnerable vo- very vulnerable people yeah that's the best way to put it um and so i i was always i mean as a as a 16 year old i was into like more leftist politics i was very lucky to not have like a weird libertarian phase or anything like that as and i always was like against um intervention and all that sort of stuff like in the middle east but i just i just thought that military recruiters were just kind of always a presence in schools i thought that was normal well i mean they had been in schools this just made it worse and this required schools to allow them in which yeah made the problem worse and on the timing this was right after 9-11 yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and this was in 2001. I was in high school when this happened, uh, or right, it happened right before I went to high school. Um, so I grew up like <laughs> smack dab in the middle between in Washington State between several massive military bases. So we had Subbase Banger, uh, we had the PSNS Shipyard, and Joint, uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord all within an, an hour or less of me. Um, so some of the biggest bases on the West Coast, and th- this being right after nine eleven in high school, there was kind of a um, you know a reactionary, angry movement and pro military stuff going on. It was everywhere in high school for me. They were in like the commons where we were having lunch. I remember my social studies teacher actually had a recruiter come in um, for a whole day to talk to us kids about <laughs> serving our country and all that stuff, and it was. Um, Unlike you, Juniper, I uh, was dumb, and I did have a libertarian moment when I was in a teenager. I think a lot of that was because if you consider like what the Democrats were, oh, what their positions were on things that a teenager would care about, like gay marriage and um, uh, weed and whatever, just like dumb things that a teenager cares about, like I did. Well, Democrats were against it, Republicans were against it, so I was a libertarian. So I was kind of like 
more susceptible to that. And I almost, <laughs> I almost actually did uh, join. I wanted to join the Navy, and my, uh, ironically, my conservative father talked me out of it. Oh my God! Really, he talked you out of it. <laughs> he, there wasn't he that did. like solidarity between uh, the political parties yeah. like, uh, at that time, like the the libertarians and the conservatives. <laughs> Yeah, he, um, I mean, he just, I think he wanted me to go to college and he wanted me to do, uh, different things, I guess, uh, which <laughs> I guess I'm pretty much eternally grateful for because, yeah, I was like, I was a pissed off dumb kid who didn't understand. I mean, I'm still don't understand how the world works. I'm still stupid, <laughs> but like I, I add puberty into that at the time. And like after nine 11 happened, yeah, like I was ready, like I was ready to go. They had recruiters everywhere. Yeah. Uh, man, it was like. It's so easy to fall into that. And I was um, solidly middle class. I had none of the things that they would use to lure like a poor kid, you know, um, seeing the world, college, all that stuff that they, the tricks that they use. I just wanted to do it out of some sick semblance of patriotism or whatever the hell that meant back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I but think, I think we, every day in school, they had those people and they had, for whatever this is worth, this is kind of an aside, but they, at lunch, they would let banks come in banks from the area come in and sign kids up for checking accounts too are you so, kidding very, yeah. very cool and it's just like kind of funny to me that uh we have this argument when it comes to like student loans oh well conservatives will say kids are, are too dumb their brains aren't developed enough to like take on that kind of debt but yeah sure send them to fucking iraq let's go yeah i mean um i i think we we are granted hindsight now but i i feel like i mean i wasn't a teen or anything at the time but i mean just doing any bit of research into like media and like public opinion and just how people were at the time i mean right after 9-11 patriotism was just like at an all-time high i mean that's that was just like the mood of of the country from what i understand um so there's there's you always yeah. see people like oh i wouldn't have fallen for that and it's like i mean chances are you probably False. would <laughs> you probably would have at the time <laughs> like most people Every... did Every house had an American flag on the doorstep. Every car had an American flag sticker. I mean, you know, the reactionary freak show that happened in the wake of Donald Trump, I st this is going to get us in trouble because we got yelled at for the whole Bush versus Trump thing before. <laughs> but I think that the kind of jingoistic kind of proto-fash reaction then was worse than even during Donald Trump. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe mean, it's just because I was a kid and experiencing that then. And I was also be kind of becoming self-aware. I don't know, man, it was, it was a wild time to be alive. That's for sure. Yeah. The sort of Bush dark years of the like psychotic drum beating patriotism. Um, I, I don't think anybody like you have to have lived through it to really understand that it was, on a whole other level than the Trump years or anything. And like, and people I just, were like taping up their windows because they were scared of like anthrax attacks too. people forget like how <laughs> insane the time after nine 11 really was. It was like, like, it was like the kids, you know, hiding under the desks from the, atomic yeah. bomb. Yeah. It's a lot more like that than it was like uh, Trump tweeting about being a stable genius or whatever. And the like, the just the idea that you would be like i feel like we say this a lot but just the idea that you would like not support bush like even people who like hated bush would still say things like like i support the troops or i 
I yeah, don't support the, the office, not the man, or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, however yeah. they justify Very it. Weird. Like, you would straight Very up get shit. called a traitor if you <laughs> traitor. You know, yeah, <laughs> you were a traitor. And um, so again, because of where I was geographically, there were so many kids in my school whose parents were in the military, and you straight up could not have like an anti-government or an anti-military opinion. You would literally get the shit kicked out of you if if you were too vocal about that. That's one hundred percent the reality of my high school experience. Yeah, and I got yelled at the other day for, like, I would consider a pretty tepid take on the uh, 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 war in Ukraine about, like, um, you know, how I don't, I want them to end the war. Um, And somebody was like, well, this point in the Ukrainian war is so much worse now than it was in the Iraq war. And I was like, no, the fuck it isn't, bro. Not at all. (laughs) Somebody claimed a year, a year into, uh, a year into Russians invasion of Ukraine to, uh, a year into America and Iraq. And I was like, nah, dog, this is not like 2004. I I promise you it's not. (laughs) Um, But like, as far as the recruiters in my school go, um, like my, 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 my experience with recruiters when I was a kid, I had, I had no uh, interest in joining the military. My parents told me not to, and they were told me, they told me just not to listen to the recruiters. And I just didn't really care much for it. It seemed like it sucked. Um, (laughs) Good parents. But like I was, yeah, I was like friends with the uh, with the recruiter's kid. Like he was a student at the school, and it was his dad who was the recruiter. And so, like, I would go play basketball at his house and stuff. But I didn't really like talk to him about. Dude, the it was his dad. Like, like <laughs> hey, hey, whack. You want to check this out? You ever want to see the world? Or <laughs> Groomer status. <laughs> he was not at the house, but at school he would be like, "Do you know what you want to do after high school?" And I was like, "I want to get my PhD in religious symbology, so I can be like my hero, Dr. Robert Langdon of the <laughs> novels." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Da Vinci, Vinci Code, Code dog. And I love that. Code. I had a phase like that around the same time too. Yeah, I was gonna. I was ready to go to college for theology and then get my PhD in religious symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, I never so knew that was, about you, man. I had the same, my first two years of school yeah. were I studied religion for that exact same purpose. Oh, wow, that's it. crazy. Yeah, anyway. No, I didn't get to, once I got to college, I did not try to study <laughs> religion. Um, although the religion, the head of the religion department did want me to convert to their uh, their department, but... I was like, nah, dog. No. Now there's worse things you could convert to, I suppose. You know? <laughs> yeah, especially with the religious professor. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, but since I've been teaching with the recruiters, I've kind of told kids that like, if you really want to join the military, then you should. But if you currently don't want to and you can go to an assembly where somebody can tell you they'll figure your whole life out for you, they just won't. And they're just not telling you the truth. Um, And like after that assembly, well, before that assembly the other day, uh, the post I made was that um, I was showing the kids like different videos and images of uh, war crimes committed by the U.S. military. So I showed them like the images from the lie and the Haditha massacre and the collateral murder video and scenes from like American Sniper and told them what canoeing is. Um, <laughs> and that did turn them off from the military, uh, which was nice. 
But then we go to the thing. We go to the assembly. You would have been run out of town if, like, <laughs> during when I was in high school, if a teacher I know. tried to do that. That's crazy. Awesome, but crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we get down there, and the kids are immediately like, all right, mister, we're going to jump him. We're going to go from the right. You go from the left. We're going to kick <laughs> this guy's ass. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not doing that either. <laughs> and they're like... They were like, we know what he did. You showed us those pictures. I was like, he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like sitting there. He keeps on calling the GI Bill. He keeps referring to it as a scholarship that will cover the cost of your uh, health care mm, as well as your schooling. Oh, interesting man. way to frame it. <laughs> and I was like straight up like in the back. Like, why does he keep saying scholarship? That's not what that is. <laughs> and then he started talking about scholarships that are only available to kids who join ROTC. And I was like, well, that's a different thing that you can't talk about that. Like, <laughs> I, I was just I was flummoxed. And then the guy comes on and he starts talking. Now, he is like our um, he is our dedicated um, recruiter for the school. I met him at the beginning of the year and I threw away his business card and I didn't really know I would have to see him again. Um, but he has a difficult to pronounce last name. It is not this last name, but it is basically like. Mamuhujda or something like that. Anyway, it had four M's in it, and he told us that his nickname was M4. And I was like, <laughs> he's named after a fucking rifle? He just comes up in here, and he's like, yeah, my nickname's a rifle. Uh, I'm a gun. <laughs> but I am also here to That's talk honestly to serendipity. He was born for that job. <laughs> he wanted to sound really epic to impress the, the, the impressionable kids. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. He, this is the Call of Duty character I want to play as. <laughs> yeah dude. and the kids like turned to me like a few times during when he was giving his little spiel and they were like is he lying and i'm like no he's not lying he's just <laughs> not telling you all of the information and so one thing he did was because i'm in philly he showed the yearly tuition for penn for university of pennsylvania which is an ivy league school and he was like, if you go to college, you could spend $70,000 a year on tuition. And I was like, bro, you are at the wrong school to be telling these kids about <laughs> going to bed. Yeah. Um, it's just like, and I told my students too, I was like, so the only people that go to Ivy League schools are like rich or they get like straight A's and they do every single activity. So either you can do get straight A's starting five years ago or you can just <laughs> sort of like relax <laughs> and not worry about getting into bed. Um, as, as someone well, yeah, who's he, relatively fresh out of college and is doing just fine. I mean, I'm not doing great, but you can relax. Don't don't be so hard <laughs> on yourself. You can relax a little bit. You'll be fine. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so like. For this assembly, the kids were, like, trying to catch him out in a lie. And I was like, no, this is the thing, though. It's like, if you want to gun down babies from a helicopter, you will get this money he's talking about. He's not lying about the money. <laughs> he's just leaving out the gunning down the babies part. Yikes. Oh, God. And they were like, and then one kid was like, if you join the Marines, do you have to go to war? And he was like, no, you don't have to. I was like, well, you do. If they <laughs> like say you, you do. Choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like my more recent experience has just been trying to like stop kids from going to the military. Um, I have told relatively few children not to join the military, but I have told some because I've just been like, they are lying to you. You can't see it now. <laughs> do not do this. It's a waste of your time and money and you will hate it. Honestly, whack. That's that's pretty good praxis of you. Like, I wish teachers <laughs> at my school did that. They didn't like encourage it, 
um but they didn't do what you did they they didn't give like i only had one teacher in high school that was like kind of like leftist from what you could tell just how he would talk about certain things but no one was like hard on the the recruiters that would come in every so often yeah we're all we there's like five or six of us that have all sort of been like he's come around to our classrooms and been like has anybody uh, expressed any interest and we're like nope no no <laughs> goodbye leave hell yeah the um the, yeah, the lying by omission is it's like they've got this down to a science right they've got They've got their talking points. They know how to frame these things so they can skirt around the details. The GI Bill doesn't always cover everything, and they like to act like it's a right. fl- just everything. You just send them the bill. You send them the bill, and they'll cover it. That's not the case. And in many cases, uh, veterans are left waiting for months or a semester, and it could jeopardize their enrollment status. It's it's really insidious how they they frame this type of stuff. But one of the other ways they do this is through do you know about their esports team program each branch has an esports team yes they do the same oh my god sure yes, do because I, I am blocked from oh all congrats <laughs> wait well i got okay you shouldn't be because i on twitch a, any of any program or any platform they shouldn't be able to block you and i they Ooh, they blocked me in 2020 <laughs> for asking one of the recruiters on twitch what his favorite war crime was and lawyers from Jordan I think that might be how we became friends on Twitter because didn't you post about yeah. that and that's because yeah I, I think remember I went that. in and flooded flooded their Twitch with, <laughs> anyway, I was I was just a little lobby at the time when I saw you do that <laughs> I, I just had a, a fledgling like 500 followers and look how far you've come <laughs> I know look at me <laughs> Columbia University their night first amendment center represented me and the navy and the army had to unblock everyone because of that so you should be unblocked <laughs> well, I'm yeah, your first vision. amendment rights are being violated right now by the government uh, but yeah. they frame all of this stuff this whole esports thing as this quote outreach activity and it's ultimately a recruiting effort but they won't admit that which really drives me nuts but what they were doing on twitch and if i'm sure you all are familiar and your listeners are familiar with that platform it also reaches people much younger than 16 that's why i reached out to weck initially because if this is a mandatory assembly and this is a full high school i'm presuming you're going to have ninth and 10th graders who are not 16 and that is illegal by our standards by global standards you can't have interactions between recruiters and people under 16 it should be higher but right now it's 16 and on Wait, when was that? Has that always been the case? Yeah, this was a not under sixteen. Yeah, this was. I mean, they don't they don't abide by it, but this. Okay, I was going to say no. I I definitely did yeah, not. Yeah, I was going to say I'm pretty sure that I was in junior high and I had recruiters coming after. Yeah, me. there's just no enforcement. It's a UN like rights of the child uh, declaration that we're <clears throat> we're a signatory on, and everyone rallies around the no child soldiers thing but the U.S. lags behind most of the developed world on age requirements for direct contact. But that's what made the Twitch stuff so seedy, because as you all know, there's tons of kids who go on Twitch who are not 16. And they were paying for top, you know, first tile carousel placement for a while in 2020. And they were framing this as, hey, join the military. We just hang out and play video games all day. And in the chat, 
they had Nightbot running these commands. Click here to win an Xbox Elite Series 2 controller, which any any controller gamers know that's a that's a sick controller. <laughs> it's a $200 controller. Uh, I clicked the link because I wanted to see where it took me. And it took me to a, a, a form that said register to win at the top. And then I scrolled down and it's a recruiting form. And I said my age was oh my I said God. my age was thirteen wow. and it accepted the the inputs. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really it's so Hurts. fucked. Uh, monstrous. No, I um, mean advertising on Twitch is like really insidious. It's like almost worse than going into high schools and talking to kids because I mean you're you're right. There's like I mean there there's kids as young as like probably eight I mean, I don't know, I don't really use Twitch. But I mean, there's probably really young, impressionable kids on this website that will see something like that and probably just watch it. You know, they'll easily tune in, especially if it's at the front page or whatever you call it of Twitch. I don't, I don't use it enough to know some of these terms. Yeah, and they, but, I mean, it's it's just as sinister as high school. They know that they know kids are younger on Twitch too. So Casey Wardinsky is this. Uh, he was he was the assistant secretary of the army for a while. He was high up in the Trump administration. He's been army brass for years. He pioneered their whole video game and now streaming and esports effort back in the early 2000s. America's Army, I'm sure you remember, was widely popular. That was ultimately a recruiting effort. The army developed that game when they saw the rise of Battlefield and uh, Call of Duty and Medal of Honor. Yeah, so they wanted to get in on it. And this was explicitly a recruiting game. And it was free, so it was really popular. That was his idea, and he pushed this for years. Over time, they found it more cost-effective to consult on the other military franchise games, so that's where they shifted their their efforts. He's also still a prominent defender of the esports efforts, and in a Vice interview in 2020, when all of this stuff came out about the, the bait-and-switch forms, Vice asked him on camera, what do you say to parents who don't want you talking to their kids in their bedroom? You know, kids are on their phones, they have a computer in the room or a laptop, they're going to be on Twitch away from their parents. It's just reality. And he just smirked. And he said, well, where's the parents? It's your responsibility. And he just shifted the blame. Like, they know what they're doing and they just don't care. I'm going to be a little guarded with how I uh, phrase this, but I have a family member who worked on one of those games is a video game developer. And I can confirm through many stories frustrated from this person that their company was literally taking orders directly with how to portray certain things about the U.S. military while they were making games. <laughs> like 100% straight across. Of course. Taking orders. That is crazy. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the, uh, one of of the the Call of Duty games um, switched it so that one of the Black Ops ones where it takes place during the Cold War... Uh, switched it so that an American war crime was done by the Soviets instead. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, the what's the highway massacre. The highway of death. I was just yes. gonna bring that up too because that's like one of the more egregious, pretty more yeah. recent ones. <laughs> things that they've done in the game is, is they're just like, oh, it's the the Russians, and it's like, no, <laughs> no, it was us. Like, nah, dog, that was that was us. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to find out who blew up that pipeline in the Call of Duty <laughs> universe. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh god. <laughs> The effect this has, though, to go back to Bird's point about the jingoism in our society, I think you made that point. The way they frame these storylines, it it's just a continuation of how 
the rest of pop culture frames our military. We're always the good guys. We're always fighting for something noble and just. And whoever our enemy is, and so often a you know combination of different regions throughout the world, like the, the, the modern warfare game in 2019, your enemies were kind of Middle Eastern, but kind of Eastern European. It's just whoever our next enemy is, it's vaguely... They they have the vague aesthetic of of our next potential enemy, and they're always reduced to this subhuman level. Their deaths don't matter. Uh, ours are a sacrifice, and this is you especially see this in movies and TV shows. And I, I eventually I played these games growing up. I, I love first person shooter games. I really grew to dis- dislike them the, the older I got just because of the effect I know it's having on society and how people see the military and as it plays out people are more and more okay with how we operate around the world our, our interventions no matter what it is we're doing the right thing and when you look at a circumstance like Yemen right now we are we are inflicting horror on Yemen through our support of the Saudis without them Without the U.S. military supporting the Saudi Air Force, that would come to an end overnight. And nobody cares. It is the worst humanitarian crisis in the world, and nobody fucking cares. And it's just, they see, people here see starving brown people, and they just turn around. But then you see Ukraine get invaded by Russia, and suddenly no one can stop talking about it. It's absolutely essential that we do everything we can to defend or Russia invade, invade Ukraine. And we we have to do everything we can to stand with Ukraine. You see all these people putting Ukrainian flags and in their Twitter handles and talking about donating and why it's so essential and we can't believe all these refugees are having to leave Ukraine. Where was that outpouring of support for our victims? And you just don't see it. And that, that really illustrates just this racism and jingoism that influences our foreign policy. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Yemen because I'll be honest, I, I have not thought about anything that we've been assisting in with uh, hurting Yemen in probably like a year or two. I mean, you don't see anyone talking about it. And if you do, it's like, like in terms of like high profile people, it's like maybe Bernie Sanders, like sometimes and like maybe like once. A, yeah, once. Yeah. And like maybe a couple other like nominally more progressive democrats but like other than that i mean i don't even i don't even think the average democrat like who who considers themselves progressive even really knows about what's going on in yemen i mean that that is i think the, the, one of the best examples right now um uh, of I... like co- colonialism or like uh like imperialism that we're assisting in that just like straight up no one is talking about I'm assuming that you guys remember this, but I don't want to take it for granted that you do or that our audience does. But do you guys <laughs> remember when the Saudis straight up threatened to do 9-11 on Canada? Yes, when yes, they talk, yes. Oh, my that's... God. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like there's nothing that we could do because if you do talk about it, they'll, well, your gas price is going up or fuck you or we'll do... We'll threaten to do a 9-11 or we'll, you know, I mean, any number of insane psychotic things. Wait, so what was the, con- I, for- I forget the context. Was it because Canada said something about the, the, the Yemen genocide and, and Saudi Arabia didn't like that? Is that why they said something? Yeah, I, forget they, exactly. uh, I think they quote tweeted it and there was like a yes. picture of a plane going into, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Toronto skyscraper. That. Yeah, basically just like oh the mildest God. criticism, like a subtweet in Saudi Arabia was like awful nice skyline you got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally threatened. Oh my fucking god! And yeah, again, god. that's that like just two... another thing we don't even talk about. Yeah, they they have um, us by the balls. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I think I I I have a uh, I have a grand unifying theory on global politics that is basically like the worse a catastrophe is or the worse a crime is, like the less we hear about it, so that we can like make room for like white suffering or like things that are going on in other countries or elsewhere where it like becomes fashionable to support like Tibet in the nineties, but that it's not as fashionable to talk about like Kosovo and Bosnia in the nineties. And just like now it's a lot more fashionable to talk about uh, Ukraine. In fact, like people like when Russia invaded last year, like this time last year, people were saying things like, "This is the first time a civilized country has invaded another civilized country." Yeah, and like <sighs> some of those all, all sorts of like very dark shit that people said, and I just feel like you know the Ukraine crisis is running cover for the Palestinian crisis is running cover for the Saudi and Yemeni crisis, and it's like it, the ongoing cascade of like colonial projects that the u.s is taking like they're almost done in order they're done with like a priority sort of a hierarchy where like obviously our saudi support is our most important support in the region so well in the world probably uh so we need to keep them on our good side and at the same time ukraine can't really do a lot for us but punishing russia through military sanctions does help us so it's like it's just really dark to see, like, no matter how much research you do into these things or no matter how much you know, it's like the pattern follows the same thing, whether or not you're following, like, the ongoing crises on the ground. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it starts to feel very hopeless with the U.S. military because there's no sign of stopping it, which the other reason we wanted to have you on, Jordan, was to talk about the, um, the upcoming vote on the military budget that is... Um, is it going to surpass a trillion dollars this year? Do we think, or, or what's the uh, what's the uh, the word on that right now? Probably Jordan? not this year, but we are we're getting dangerously close. And whatever Biden requests, which is expected to be the biggest ever, so I would you know assume close to nine hundred billion, if not more, will also probably be punched up by Congress as well. You know, these hawkish factions in both parties who are going to work together to continue enriching the, you know, defense contractors, weapons manufacturers, the military industrial complex. But I think the real solution is just making sure mom and pop defense contractors get a fair shake. We just need to take antitrust enforcement (laughs) to the military industrial complex and all of our problems will be solved. The mom and Sorry, pops I, we, can we take a time out to talk shit about that? Unbelievable. Yes, wait, what? Wait, is this a tweet? I didn't see yes. this. That was an Elizabeth Warren tweet where she Let's was fucking like, go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, our, I'm, our I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, time was there were, you know, 50 defense contractors, mom and pop shops. Now there's only five. We need to break them up. And so we can give everybody a fair shake at defense contracting or whatever. We it's need like, our okay. local defense contractors back. 
<laughs> Give us. I a... never like really could concisely state to because you know here here in the Seattle area we had a lot. This was actually Seattle was a pretty hot big hotbed for Warren stands, and I never really could yeah. like Sinister. I mean just say like in, in if I could show somebody in a tweet why I fucking hate Elizabeth Warren. Well, now I have that. Like during the election, like that sums it up pretty much exactly. Pow wow chow wasn't enough for you. You needed something that sold it a little bit better than that. I'll be honest. I it's ever since the the primary, like that was like three years ago now, like two and a half, three years yeah. ago. I kind of forgot how much I despised some of these candidates. But seeing that Elizabeth Warren tweet, I was like, oh, that's right. That's yeah, why she's I really awful. Started to dislike her. Yeah, we gotta back. get that. We got to get the hate going, too, because uh, we're like probably four months away from like basically knowing who's going to be running for president next year. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Jesus, we're so close. It's really good. The knives and aren't out for Biden yet, but uh, people are sharpening them in secret. Yes, uh, that'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, I still I've I, I haven't let it go. I, I harness a deep <laughs> hatred for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she sucks so bad. That's I want her to run again because I think it will be funny when she loses. I want to watch her lose a second time, and I still have I still have my list of everybody who supported her in the primary over Bernie. I remember who you are and where you are. Not to reiterate the primary again because I mean that was like three years ago now, and we don't need to go over the 2020 primary. But God, what a horrible campaign she ran! Like it was like astonishing just how bad it was at every turn. I couldn't believe it. She like has the... always been so good at being pro-capitalist, but using like democratic socialist slogans and being like, we don't need no military. We need a good military. And we need them to play fair with the rest of the world. And it's like, Liz, what the fuck are you talking about? What are we? We're it's about like to a... Put a tri- she got like even proto fashion somewhere. Do you remember her like whole the whole blood and teeth thing? That was crazy. Like, that was fucking insane. Uh, I'm so I'm so ready for the primaries. The only funny part about elections are presidential primaries. Everything else yes. sucks and is terrible. God, I cannot wait for this. I can't wait for... So just prepare for everybody on this call right now to get banned at some point within the next calendar year for something we say to a public official. <laughs> um, but to, to go back to the budget... Uh, the reason... You know, so many people pointed out, hey, we ended this quagmire in the middle east after 20 years we're quote out of afghanistan we're quote out of iraq what why are we still continuing to see increases in funding that's really because we're not ending war anywhere you know lloyd austin has said repeatedly that we are continuing to push for you know strike anywhere unseen aerial combat combat as a global strategy and through the use of drones, through the use of uh, surveillance, all of these unseen factors that aren't going to be easily portrayed on the nightly news. You don't see kids coming home in body bags. It makes it very easy for us to have a state of forever war without consequences being felt at home. And, you know, that it completely removes, you know, the American population, but also service members from the act of killing and that's what's so dangerous because it makes it very easy for them to just hit a button and someone's dead and we don't think about that like we to again it's it's it illustrates the jingoism in our foreign policy that these people are reduced to subhuman levels that we can blow up a, a car and with that car 
an entire family, including children, as we saw last year. And few people care because just one source in the military says, oh, he was a suspected terrorist. And that re- that removal from the act of killing is something that they now are trying to dress up and sell. And to go back to video games, the Air Force has a game that I found last year, a mobile game called Command the Stack. It is an augmented reality game that makes your phone really hot when you play it because it seems to be designed really poorly. Uh, but you, Hell yeah, you essentially go. just go on bombing runs and conduct drone strikes through augmented reality in your living room. And I looked up who the developer was, and it wasn't just the Air Force. It was the Air Force Recruiting Service for ages 13 and up. And I, you, you oh have to submit oh, your, you have to submit your email when you, when you create an account, and then you go, go, go do your drone strikes. Uh, I, I have a couple of FOIAs out for emails with the Air Force, uh, for the budget for how much they spent on it. Yeah, it is well past their legally required deadline, so the next step, once I get around to it, is (laughs) getting getting an attorney and and getting those documents because they definitely don't want people to see what went into the planning process for that. Yeah. um, Sorry, real quick. I forget which one of you said it. I think it was uh, whack when you were talking about the school recruiters um, talking about how, oh, all they do is play video games if you join the military. I mean, it's kind of correct at a point, too, I think, because to expand on what you were saying, Jordan, <laughs> I mean, it's it, people don't go boots on the ground anymore nearly as much as they, they did in, like, the Korean War or, like, the Vietnam War. It's a lot of people just, like, sitting in bases playing, like, video games all day. I mean, he, that that person wasn't really lying because uh, it's, it's so disconnected mm-hmm. um, from what war used to be. Yep they really do just play video games a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Spencer Ackerman, who wrote that amazing book, Reign of Terror, and I would encourage everyone who listening to read it if you haven't yet. Uh, he, when I interviewed him uh, about a year or two ago, I guess, oh no, it was a year ago because it was, it was when Russia invaded Ukraine and everyone was live streaming. You know, people in Ukraine were live streaming and you saw the horrors of war broadcast as people experienced them experienced them in real time which was really unnerving um but also people in the states were streaming like footage of the war and clout chasing like not i'm not not saying you were but like the like the gamer like content creator class who typically is not political at all and not news oriented at all you had like hype house type people streaming content about the the invasion, and as these people are being displaced and people are being killed, and their cities and neighborhoods are being shelled, it's just it's just fodder for content and clout for for people. And that to me was a great illustration of just how detached people are from the horrors and the killing inherent in war. That someone is going through a living hell right now. And you have all these people who just kind of chase the meta and they just didn't care. Yeah, you know what that, sorry. Yeah, no, that, I was wrapping up, but they just, they just saw it as an opportunity for more views. And I just was astounded. Oh, but Spencer Ackerman warned like people, he's someone who, you know, was in Afghanistan, was in Iraq as a war correspondent. And he saw it up close and he was just 
confused and, and really dismayed by people not really comprehending just how much war we consume virtually through our devices, whether it's computers or phones, and really stress that we need to think about the link between how we consume war as entertainment uh, and what that says about our society and our foreign policy. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, if, if people want to learn more, I would really highly recommend his book, Reign of Terror. Yeah, no, that, that sounds amazing. I mean, uh, that, that just reminds me of something I've been thinking about recently, somewhat related to this, I, I imagine, um, how you're talking about how war coverage in, in the modern age, especially on social media, is like really gamified. I'm sure you guys all know about that dude, uh, Jackson Hinkle. Yeah. yeah that 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 dude uh <laughs> i don't know if you guys ever like check out his posts about like the russian war or like the, the, the ukrainian russian war i tend to avoid posting about this war just in general because a lot of people will get very like no matter what you say there will be someone mad at you about it about anything that you say related to it so i just typically avoid it plus talking about war in a really like routine way is just kind of bizarre to me but the way that jackson hinkle talks about this war he's like he's straight up just gamifying it he's he talks about it like it's it's like a like a video game he's talking about it like there's like he's it's really hard to explain without seeing some of his posts but he, he made some recently of course related to trans uh trans panic too about this ukrainian soldier who um got her uh like arm blown off or something like that and he was just like making fun of her and it's like what are we doing here how are you so like dehumanized to where you can like even even if like let's say for some reason just a pure theoretical like let's say the the soldier that this happened to is like pure evil like it's the most evil person in the world how do you just like i don't know how do you dehumanize someone in such a nonchalant way and and talk about it as if it's just like content to consume i don't yeah, know just like a sports game or something yeah, yeah yeah the way he talks about it and the way a lot of people talk about it is it's just yeah like you said a sports game and it's really bizarre to me and i've just been thinking about that i've been thinking about making a post about it just because i've, I've every once in a while we'll see one of jackson's posts on my timeline on my for you page because of elon's genius algorithm but um yeah but no it, it just this whole like last year just has been a bizarre experience in watching how people, I guess, consume the war on Twitter. There is uh, Spencer Ackman is great. Uh, that's a great recommendation. Um, there's a book that's a little bit different because, as I recall, it was written in the um, early 2000s. Uh, war is a Force That Gives Us Meaning by Chris Hedges yeah. um, is an amazing It's like book, my favorite book of all time. How- yeah, that. It's fantastic. Dude, oh, I'd oh, love yeah. to nerd out with you about <laughs> yes. that sometimes. It's one of my favorite books, too. Um, there's a line in that, uh, and I, I don't know it well enough to even paraphrase that, I don't think, but it's just kind of ironic because his criti- critique of that book is just about how war kind of seduces society or whatever. And they, <laughs> in the fucking Hurt Locker, took a quote from that book and put it in the Hurt Locker, like Hell essentially yeah. proving his point, like any critique of capitalism gets subsumed by it or whatever you know that you read in the society of the spectacle or something but it's like no, i don't know man like to your point juniper the way that we consume all this shit it, it it's pointless because it's going to essentially be turned back on its head definitely yeah and like i, I don't know I don't, I don't really know how to counter it other than because like we have to talk about some of the stuff uh i don't, I don't know it's it's a hard 
for me, it's a hard uh, like line to balance because you don't want to. I don't know. I I don't want to like make war content. I don't know. It's it's a it's a complex issue. I haven't read the um, what was it Spencer? What was his name? Ackerman. Spencer Ackerman. Yeah, I haven't read that book. I'll have to check that out. Um, but well, the, that, the that one I've to... been the one I've been thinking about, the one I actually recommended to my students if they have a strong stomach, was uh, "Kill Anything That Moves" by Nick Terse. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. I've I've heard of this book. I've, I've I've I think I'm familiar with Chris Hedges as a person, but I've never read this this book before. I have brought up Chris Hedges' books on the uh, show before because I read um, all of his other books except. Oh, for this is his best one by oh, far. Yeah. But I read <laughs> our class by a mile. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've had trouble finding it. I have like a, I use like an audiobook service, and um, I actually just looked up Wars of Force that gives us meaning, and it's on there now. Funny enough, the two books that are suggested, three books, I'll say three books suggested right next to it, are Islamic Poetry <laughs> Volume One. The Holy Quran <laughs> and a vampire romance book called. Oh, those are all kind of the same. Book. Lack, um, <laughs> we're getting close to about a month before we're supposed to head out to Philly. Uh, I have this is yeah. a book that I, I there's a couple books that I I enjoy so much that I keep an extra copy just in case someone wants to. No, no, I, I okay. found it on here. I'll be able to I'll say I'll bring you a copy. He was at the uh, Chris Hedges was at that weirdo rally last week. The uh, oh, the libertarian anti-war rally. Oh no way! Was yeah, he really. really? Oh, no. he, he, he was there, but so was like Jill Stein. Yeah. It was a really Strange weird. He's people. That Tulsi Gabbard was there. He's somebody uh, who I give a pass to on that kind of stuff because I know he is so sincere with his. He's yeah, he's not like yeah. he's not up there, and has also. To Juniper's point, that's somebody who I typically don't acknowledge because I—it's so transparent what they're trying to do, what that one person is trying to do, and it's just to piss people off and say attention-grabbing things to build their online presence for profit. Hedges has never been that person, you know, and Hedges saw warp close for twenty years, no. and he consistently writes about things that do put people first his book death of the liberal class is also a really fantastic book about the democrats just abandoning yes, working people one. but he, he he's true in his motive so when i see him doing that it's because he has a righteous message and he wants it to, he wants to take it to every possible person i, I i'll do I'll, I'll give him that where he fucks up is when he is anti-sex worker. <laughs> He's just basically a swerf. And that, I think, comes from his theology. His yeah, theology so I was going to bring that up. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so I was going to bring that up because I, I, I wanted to, uh, for anybody who has read his uh, book about... Empire of Illusion, like yeah. Called right now, but he re- Empire of Illusion, yeah. So that one is a little rough because he compares, like, military propaganda to reality television to professional wrestling and pornography and basically saying these are like the american spectacles that we like the most are like military propaganda and porn and i would just really push back on that a lot in what i was listening to him talk about because he goes to like porn conventions with like ex-porn stars who set up little booths to try to convince people not to go and talk about the horrors of the porn industry and i am sure that it is really bad i just think it's very weird how anti-porn he is he's like no one should ever consume pornography because you can never know 100 percent if everybody in the porn is 
uh, consenting. But it's also like, yeah, but like, I don't know. You could say that about like animals and movies and stuff. It, it, it's kind of a weird line to draw to me about like pornography. And I, I, I just really can't get on his side. But he does talk about some truly horrendous things that people are put through, uh, like just the horrible violence and, and assault that they have on camera for some pornography. But I don't watch that kind of pornography where people are having like 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 piercings pulled out and oh, stuff. Geez, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's not my kind of shit. So I just don't see it. But I can understand why he would be upset at the industry. Um, oh, sports gambling. That's the other one he really hates. He does not like uh Sports gambling. He's but real it's about like, that one, though. That's well, that's well let's not get I, ahead I, of ourselves. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with Jordan on that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, of course you guys are. I'm sure you guys are both not in uh, Final Fantasy Leagues. You, bo- you both don't... Uh, Make money there. Yep. She said Final Fantasy. Fucking what's it called? Fantasy. I don't even know. Fantasy football. Just fantasy football. See, this is the trust me. It's not. It's not the final one there. because I do that shit every year and I lose money every year. Dog. <laughs> final Fantasy. Oh my god. I even was like thinking about it before so I, I said that too, and I still. Fucked you're it up. so innocent, Juniper. I love you. Never, never get into sports gambling. Never. I never will. Trust me. Uh, so, Jordan, what do you got to plug? Thank you so much for joining us. We love that you came through to talk about military recruitment. What do you got going on, my friend? Yeah, so Rob Rousseau, uh, unfortunately a, a Canadian, uh, he and I host a podcast called The Insurgents. Juniper has been on. You could find it at theinsurgents.substack.com. Put out two episodes a, a really week. really fun it's, podcast. Yeah, we ask uh, every guest the same hardball question to start the conversation, which is, are you a gamer? So you can find out who of our guests are real Americans and who are not. <laughs> no, yeah, I was on there. It was really fun talking to them. If you wanna, if you wanna find that episode, I had yeah, a, it was a good wonderful episode. time. Thank you. Yeah, I had a good, I had a wonderful time with you guys. Thanks. And if you would like to hear the rest of our conversation as we discuss the horrible train disaster in East Palestine, Ohio, you can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash westernkabuki. And you can follow me at Black Nicholson, Juniper at Juniper, where the I is a lowercase L, and at Bird Respector on Twitter, and follow our podcast at Western Kabuki.